All right, we want to welcome all of our listeners to the 32nd episode of Minority Report with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with leaders in media and business. And today, joining us is Arlen Hamilton, founder, managing partner with Backstage Capital. Let's jump in and get to know Arlen. Welcome. How are you? Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Excited to have you. Tell us a little bit about Backstage Capital. Well, Backstage Capital is a venture capital fund that is based in Los Angeles, but we have people all over the country working with us. We invest in underestimated, underrepresented founders who are usually tech startup founders, but we've kind of run the gamut. Started from scratch just a few years ago, and we have seen more than 6,000 companies come through and pitch to us and reach out to us and have invested in about 2% of those. So we're sitting at around 130 companies in our portfolio today. And uh, they're looking to invest in the best and the brightest and with the, with an eye on and a view of the underrepresented. That's very cool. Tell us a little bit before that happened about your background. You know, where are you from and, and where were you born and raised? Sure. I was born born in Jackson, Mississippi. I very soon after, was living in and grew up in Dallas, Texas. And my formative years there. Yeah, it was a good childhood. You know, I had my mom, my brother, a lot of love, not a lot of capital, <laughs> not a lot of money, uh, but a lot, a lot of love and laughter. And yeah. then after that, I was a good student and I did well in school, but I was not... Uh, not ready for college for a few reasons and did other things and have just been working since I was 15. Spent a lot of time in different cities. A lot of that time has been, you know, with housing and security and not doing so great. But some of it has been some really exciting things that I've done. I've worked on music tours and I've published a music magazine and I've had a blog that was read by 50,000 people a month. And I've had all these adventures throughout my, my life. I'll be 40 this year in 2020. So there's a lot, a lot there has happened, but uh, on myself around 30, 31, really, really curious about the startup world and about Silicon Valley or what that meant. And, and it led to me doing a ton of research and reaching out to people. And I wanted to originally figure out how to get investment for myself for a company. And I wanted to like research and learn everything I could. And as I did that, I stumbled across, you know, the understanding that 90% of venture capital goes to white men and they make up maybe 30, 33% in the U S. So I thought it was pretty, pretty crazy. So that, that started leading me on a different path. And Arlen, thanks for uh, answering that question. I mean, that was going to be my next question for you is, is, was about your career path. You know, I'm curious to know, though, as you were building up backstage capital and, and looking for funding, if you ran into hurdles and where those hurdles you think, because you are a woman or a woman of color or a gay woman, I'm curious to know about any discrimination you faced along the way. Yeah, I definitely faced a lot of discrimination along the way. Some of it was blatant. Some of it was, I'm going to go ahead and be generous and call it accidental. <laughs> Um, yeah. And some of it was just sort of under the surface, that unconscious bias that people speak about in terminology. But all of that, I mean, as a woman, I, th I think women can relate to just these microaggressions that happen all the time, these 
the sort of aggressions, uh, non-micro that happen a lot of times when you're a woman navigating the business world or like your lane. So I had that and, and then definitely from even more so, uh, I think, you know, race and then probably the third of the tier would be, uh, my, my orientation. So, you know, it, it was not only me, but I was representing so many people and walking into spaces where I needed to speak for, uh, you know, speak on behalf of other people who had asked me to and, and had heard so, heard so many incredible stories about people who had been discriminated against while trying to raise capital. And so I was just kind of battling both of those lanes at once. And I think that was the tough part because it wasn't only the experiences that I had, which were there, but it was just hearing story after story of someone walking into a room really ready, ready to go and had their numbers, had their information right. And the first 45 minutes of the conversation, if, if they had that much, was about proving to them that they, they even deserved to be in the room. And I, it's just, uh, it was such a shame and a waste for both parties. Right. And, and so, you know, with that said, one of the things we love doing on, on this podcast is, is giving advice to people that may be listening. And so if, if there's someone out there that's listening that maybe is on through or going through some of those challenges that you face, what, what advice would you give them? Yeah, there's different degrees of it. There's some, there's some outright abuse. You know, there's some outright gaslighting, outright things that you need to run for the hills about. A lot of it, though, can be you can take back some of the power by shrugging it off with humor, not to the person, but to yourself. Mm. Recognizing how ridiculous the person is and what they're doing or saying is, that has helped me a lot of times, uh, especially those microaggressions, you know, and those times where somebody... Someone really, truly underestimates you. My book is called, It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage, because I've been underestimated, you know, my whole life. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. So when someone just, you know, it's, it's almost like you want to look into the camera, <laughs> like of this, of this documentary that is your life, when some of these things happen. So the things that are like really hardcore, abusive, people are messing with your money or messing with you. That's something that is a different league, but really there's so much you can kind of carve out and take out of your life by just finding the humor in it and not to say it's okay, but mm -hmm. to say they don't have any power over me because they're just too ridiculous for, for me right now, you know, and that to me has trimmed a lot of it and the rest of it I'm prepared to fight and face because the, the noise is not there. So if someone is going to trip over themselves to remind me that I'm in the first class lane, a line at the, at the uh, airport, I'm going to trip over myself to remind them that I know, I know, you know, I, I remember when I paid for it, that it was the first class and, and, you know, get in front of them, whatever. To me, that's entertainment mm. at, the, at this point where it used to really upset me, these types of things. I used to be, I used to have all kinds of, you know, it's bullying and I used to have all of that. Now I'm just like, you know what? you're you're interrupting you know my flow here so uh I, th I think that's one way that's great advice arlen you certainly keep a, a busy schedule we often talk about sort of a work-life balance curious about your perspective on that is there is there such a thing or how do you manage sort of work-life balance oh sure i think there's definitely a, a work-life balance possible and i i encourage it as much as as you can i mean there's no there's no cookie cutter one size fits all way of doing that though because some people, it just depends on what their, what their career is, what their job is, what their gig is. 
and compare it to what they want out of life. I'm very much so a proponent of taking good care of yourself and of um, not having to be on someone else's schedule when it comes to being bombarded and being overwhelmed and definitely someone who's like, I'm not grading you on your, on your hustle. Your hustle to me is not how many hours you put in. Like there's no grading there. Your hustle is what you make happen. And so I'm a big proponent of that, but I also say there's a privilege and, and talking to other people about how they should be, how they should find a balance. There's a privilege in that, no matter who you are. And so for me, what I definitely do is I establish boundaries. Now it took, I mean, it took to my late thirties to get here though. Mm. What was not the case before. <laughs> I was not good at that. So now though, I mean, it's like, I'm, it's a masterclass in it now because I, I have boundaries. And if I don't want to do something, I don't do it. I read somewhere like, you know how you're scrolling through Instagram and you see these quotes and you kind of like, where did that come from? I don't know where it came from, but somebody said, if it's not a hell, yes, it's a hell no. And I, that's how I, that's how I determine what I do on a daily, day to day basis. If I'm not like, yes, let's go, then I'm not doing it. And so that, again, it's a privilege that I get to have by being someone who works for myself. But I, I definitely got myself here, you know? And so it's something to think about when you can, um, and you, anybody can do it. I mean, anybody can say that to themselves as a way of, uh, again, you want to trim as much of the, unneeded unnecessary stuff in your life as possible because you don't have time for that you got things to do and i just think that yeah i think that it's really important if you can to establish more and more things in your life that help you live a, a higher quality of life rather than being a workhorse it's fantastic perspective great advice great advice so uh, i have one question for you that i love asking all the guests that we have on our on our show to Give us a deeper insights into your your day to day. Give us your top three apps that you use on your phone, but you can't name email or calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I use Anchor for the podcasting. Don't do all my podcast episodes that way because a lot of them are uh, my wife is professionally editing. But the ones that I just have a thought about or something and I just want to record it and just get it up there, I'll, I'll press, you know, record on Anchor and send it up to the cloud. I use, let's see, what do I use? I use Twitter all mm -hmm. like, every day. And I, I guess, know you, yeah, I, know you use in, I know you use Instagram. Yeah, I, I use Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I use Twitter and Instagram pretty much the same amount. And I use Anchor a lot. And uh, that's like those three things, while they all have something to do with work, they're the the lesser of the work-related apps that I use on a day-to-day -day basis. Have, have those apps changed since the pandemic hit and you've been home? Because you travel a lot, right? And yeah. obviously you're not doing that now. So I'm curious to know if, if any of your usage there has changed since you've been home. Not really, no. I mean, honestly, no. Just because my team has always been remote since we started in 2015. or Actually, I, I made my first hire in 2016. So our our team has always been remote. We've always been around the country and even across overseas. And so like even in the way we interact with each other on a day-to-day -day basis is the same. It's Slack, it's Zoom, sometimes it's Google Hangouts and Notion, you know, and we use Notion to kind of keep us all in the same projects and you can type in and everything kind of like Google Docs, but it's even more user-friendly. And we just, we do that. I would say what I had to step up was I had removed a lot of stuff from, I had a podcasting space that I just put, I had just put together. I had just finalized almost, you know, and it was meant for in-person podcasting. So I had it all pretty and all ready to go. 
And then that was gone. So now what I've done is I've moved some of that equipment into where I have my desk and I have like my setup now, which is you can see the bookshelf behind me, which is nice, nicely displayed. And then I have my, my sure mic and my lighting if I ever need it for something. So those types of things to set up for interviews, podcasting. I have a new online course and I, and I record most of that through video. So mm-hmm. all of that I had to kind of really quickly recalibrate and it, I wasn't expecting to. Well, Arlen, thank you so much for joining us. Often our, our, our listeners and viewers like to continue the conversation and, and follow you. Where can they follow you? And- yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, please pick up the book. It's about damn time. How to turn being underestimated into your greatest advantage. You can get that at itsaboutdamntime.com, which mm-hmm. is also where you can find most of my, the things that I work on. So you can find my, about my investment fund. You can find, about my, find out about my podcast, everything. You can also f- follow me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Arlen was here. A-R-L-A-N was here. I'm on those daily as we talked about. And yeah, I'm going to be talking a lot about the book. So if you want to join along in those conversations, know what I'm talking about, you can pick up the hard copy, an ebook, or even the audio version that I recorded in March, right before all this stuff happened. <laughs> so just in the nick of time, just in the nick of time. Excellent. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And you can find us where you find all of your audio and video. Just search Minority Report Podcast and look for the logo. Take care.